Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo, and welcome to episode 3 of A.K.A. Sports. A new season, a new us. Yes, we are touching on some hot-button topics this season, and we wanted to get into a little bit more of the the more fantasy side of things, more like fantasy football, and we'll be getting into that here today. But before we jump into that, we have a couple of picks to make, Mr. Fletch. Uh, we are down to the AFC Championship game. We have the Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs, and then we also have in the NFC Championship game the 49ers versus the Rams. And honestly, I had the Bengals going this far, and you had the Rams going this far, I don't think really either one of us had the 49ers going this far, and I think we both had the Chiefs as well. So, uh, first off, tell me what your thoughts were on the games this weekend, because they were, bar none, have to be better than what we saw in the wild card round. Uh, and then also, let us know, who do you have in the Super Bowl? Yeah, man. So, this weekend, again, well, we kind of talked about it last week, man. Uh, my favorite playoff weekend is the divisional round. It's the Elite Eight. This is where I feel like you get the cream of the crop of the NFL. Um, and it, it lived up to the hype. At one point, Clark, you had three three games um, that were all tied with four seconds left to go and a field goal kicker was on the field. Um, I can't ask. And then the, th- the fourth game went into overtime. And what might be, and, I, and call me a prisoner at a moment if you want to, what might be the greatest game, playoff game at least, I've ever seen between the Chiefs and the Bills. And I'm actually mad about that game because I didn't bet any money on it. (laughs) And if you listen to last week's podcast, if I literally bet what I said, I would would have won big. Um, I told you to go over on 54 points for the Chiefs-Bills game. It was well over. I said the Chiefs would win in a nail-biter. Boy, was it. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm just mad at myself that I didn't bet on this game. Nonetheless, I enjoyed the game. I have two takes, actually, out of this weekend. Um, Take number one. Aaron Rodgers, as great as he is, may be one of the most overrated quarterbacks we have ever seen. And I'm only saying that to say this. I, I Peyton Manning gives a lot of gets a lot of flack of being what what people call is the, one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Um, but let's not forget Peyton's two and two in Super Bowls. He's been to four of them. You don't get to just four Super Bowls being mediocre. Yes, he was behind a great defense in Denver, uh, but nonetheless, like you don't just get to four Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has been to. One Super Bowl, am I right, Pat? Uh, Clark. Uh, yeah, he's only been to one. Only been to one. He's won one, and uh, not knocking him on that, but it's been a while. If I'm not mistaken, it's been ten years, and his playoff record, I want to say, is eleven and ten. For those at home, Tom Brady has as many losses. He's thirty-five and eleven in playoff games as Aaron Rodgers has wins. Now, we always say Aaron Rodgers, you know, highest passer rating of all time, probably a multiple MVP after this year, you know, um, if everything pans out, obviously. But, you know, there's a there's there's a lot of people that basically say Aaron Rodgers might be the most talented quarterback, at least, that we've ever seen. 
Some people may believe he's the best we've ever seen. Uh, one thing about Aaron Rodgers is this. When it comes down to the playoffs, especially in the case of the 49ers, he hasn't really gotten it done. Um, a quarterback of his magnitude, you would expect when the defense has held that team to minimal points, that a quarterback of that magnitude is going to bring it home for you. And the Packers scored a whopping three points the entire second half against San Francisco, who was a decent, probably a well above average defense. But come on now. Like, that's not an all-time defense that's out there shutting down essentially an all-time quarterback. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's, you know, let's let's start to look at this a little bit. I hate to point fingers and overly criticize people, but I'm on record being a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I really like Aaron Rodgers. And I just I just don't think he's really lived up to the hype, to be honest with you, since the Super Bowl um, that he won a decade ago. Um so nonetheless, that that's my first that's my first take on that. My second take is this, man. Um, the Chiefs Bills game was amazing, and I and I Clark, I I hate to speak for you as well, but I think it's probably one of the, again one of the better games that we have ever seen. Um, it was twenty six to twenty one with two minutes left in the game. The final score was forty two to thirty six. How did how did we get there? <laughs> That's a lot of points to score in such a short period of time. And if you watch the game, it was honestly unbelievable. Uh, Chiefs took the took the field with 13 seconds left and somehow pulled this thing off. But um, this is the reason why getting the divisional round is my favorite. It was a great playoff weekend. To go with the picks, I've been on the Rams and the Chiefs all year. And again, I, and this is another thing that I'm mad at myself for not betting on as well. I've been on the Rams and the Chiefs since preseason. If you go back and listen to our podcast, our season one podcast, these were my picks to go to the Super Bowl. I'm sticking with it. The Rams, I have this weekend beating the Niners, and the Chiefs this weekend, I have them beating the Bengals. I don't know about the spread. I don't know about the points. I know the Kansas City actually has a has a uh, Kansas City on uh, the Cincinnati game as a really, you know, um, I don't know what you call this like a trap, if you will, if you're a betting man with a seven and a half point spread, that seems a little much. Um, some people might say that's about right. I personally think it's about right, but it's hard for me to pick over or under that seven and a half, man, I will say. But at the same time, I am going to go with the Chiefs to win that game. And I'm going to go with the uh, and I'm going to go with the Rams to beat the Niners for the first time. And what, what would that be, Clark, three to four years? Yeah, they've uh, Niners have won six straight against the Rams. Yeah, I just find it hard to believe that you beat that team three times in one season. Um, I'm not saying it won't happen. The Niners are a damn good football team, and they're showing us right now, even though they had some bumps during the season. But um, I, I just think, uh, or the yeah, the Niners are a damn good football team. Um, yeah, I, I I just I just again, I'm going to stick with my picks. I do think these are the two best teams in football. I think they have been consistently for the most part of the year. Uh, both had a couple hiccups. The Chiefs early, where the uh, Rams had it more so in the middle of the season, but towards the end of the season, you can see both teams really trying to start to really like grease their wheels and get that ball rolling. And here they are now, uh, to me, still on the collision course to meet in the the the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, here in a few weeks. So that's what I'm rolling with, man. That's kind of my take from this weekend. Clark, I would love to hear your feedback on this weekend. And what what do you think about these these uh the final four, if you will, and, and who do you have going to the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I was very, very pleased that we went from the wild card round where we only had really one good game and the rest of them being blowouts to going into the divisional round of games that uh, just amazing. Every single one of them came down to the wire, one going into overtime, obviously the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, just exciting football to watch. Nothing disappointed you. Uh, I know there's a huge controversy when it comes to the overtime rules, but at the end of the day, you still got to play defense. It doesn't matter if it's in the regular or regulation or if it's in overtime. You still have to play defense. It is very difficult against very good offenses both in, uh, for both of these teams. And we might see something very similar uh, happening between the Bengals and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game because, again, the Chiefs' defense isn't going to change overnight. We're not going to see a much better defense go from the divisional round to the AFC Championship game. So they're still going to have to contend with Joe Burrow and the amazing trio of receivers that they have on the offensive side of the football. So we may see a much higher scoring game, very similar-esque to what we saw in the divisional round. Uh, but the Bengals' defense is technically supposed to be just as good as the Bills, but the Bills really struggled. So I'm not sure exactly what to make of that because – the, the Bengals actually have a pretty good defense overall uh, and obviously shut down the Tennessee Titans who had Derrick Henry back, but he wasn't fully there. They didn't use him all the time. They gave him quite a bit of touches for coming back for the first game, but you, it, it wasn't 100% King Henry that we saw him before. Uh, but I really am very uh, pleased about both of these matchups for the conference championships. The Bengals getting there for the first time since 1988. Obviously, the Chiefs have been there four straight years now, which makes Andy Reid the only head coach in uh, NFL history to lead two different teams to four straight or to host four straight uh, conference championship games. He did it four straight years with the Eagles and then four straight years with the Chiefs. Uh, he has been one of the greatest coaches and just going from a lot of criticism when he was in Philadelphia, now just cementing his legacy uh, pretty easily. But for this game, I would love, I would love nothing more to see the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl. And the reason for that is because I know who I'm going to pick in the other game. But if I'm going to be a betting man, if I had to put an uncomfortable amount of money on this game, I'm going to put it with put it with the Chiefs. It's Mahomes. It's he's starting to have that same feeling, not negatively like we see with Brady, but that same feeling of you just don't bet against Mahomes and mm -hmm. everything that he did in the regular season where we were starting to maybe doubt ourselves when he was throwing inerrant balls and terrible interceptions. We don't see that in the playoffs. He has flipped a switch, and we are seeing the Mahomes that won a Super Bowl and was the Super Bowl MVP, even though he shouldn't have been in that series. But uh, that is a story for another day. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I would love to see the Bengals go. And the reason why I say that is because in the other game, the NFC Championship game, obviously the Niners have been here uh, the second time in two years. They went to Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, and the Rams were here three years ago. I've got to go with my Niners. I, I think they're going to get it, make it seven straight against the Rams. The Rams against the Buccaneers had a big lead and gave it up. The exact same thing we saw in week 17 when the Niners had to come from 17 down to beat the Rams. Now, granted, this is playoff football. This is totally different from the regular season. But last week was playoff football, too. And Tom Brady was able to come back on this team. And when I've told other people, 
I know Jimmy G is going to make mistakes from time to time. That's really his Achilles heel. He's going to make some really bad throws, maybe make the one bad interception. But when he focuses in and he has to run the offense and he's able to just dink and dive and just throw the ball where he needs to, he is one of the more accurate passers in the NFL when it comes to that. And he doesn't make mistakes when he stays on schedule. It's when he has to get flustered, when he has to get pushed out of the pocket is when he makes those mistakes. So, granted, they still have Aaron Donald on the other side of the football field, but I like the Niners, and I would love to see a third matchup between the Bengals and the Niners in the Super Bowl. That would be amazing. Now, granted, the Mm -hmm. Niners have won the first two back in 82 and 88, but that would be something pretty crazy. But I think it's going to be the Niners, the Chiefs, a rematch from two years ago will be my two picks uh, moving forward. Hopefully, we'll see two very good games this Sunday. Uh, give us a nice build-up to whoever wins. Give us a nice build-up uh, to Super Bowl Sunday as well. But let's go ahead and jump into the topic of the day, uh, and that is fantasy football. Obviously, most of us have played. Uh, obviously, some of us have won. Congratulations again, Fletch. I'm not sure why I'm congratulating you again. I've already done it once. Uh, once was clearly enough. But with fantasy football, obviously, there's always a early mock draft. And there's been several people on YouTube as well as CBS and Fantasy Pros have done the exact same thing, putting together uh, basically a 12-team PPR, which is a point per reception. If you're not uh, familiar with that, uh, for every single reception a player gets, they get a single point. Uh, more than likely with this PPR mock, they also did quarterbacks four-point passing. So every passing touchdown counts for four points. And they gave us a nice list to go with here. And Fletch and I uh, both have been looking at this list, been kind of eh, not happy with it. But just like I told him off air, you have to take it not just with a grain of salt, a whole cup of salt. Because there's so many moving parts in this offseason that are currently moving. Obviously, the Broncos have a new head coach. The Bears just got their new head coach. Dan Quinn is staying with the or with the uh, Cowboys. We don't know what's going on. And... We might even see Byron Leftwich go be the head coach at the Jaguars, assuming they can get the correct GM that he wants in place. Uh, so a lot of moving parts. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but Fletch, let's go ahead and dive into it. Since you won, typically that means you would get the first overall pick. Um, you can speak your part on that as well about what kind of position you want to pick from. Mm-hmm. But if you were the number one overall pick, uh, give me two or three names that you would say, hey, I'm, I would be considering for that number one overall pick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Again, I appreciate it. Um, fantasy football, everybody knows, it's a uh, – it, there is luck involved. Let's just be honest. Um, I am a product of that. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. Um, also, the other thing about fantasy football is you get hot at the right time, you win. I'm also a product of that as well. It's uh, it's really just playing your cards right, man, and understanding that things change throughout the season. However, here we are, uh, episode three of this second season, and we're talking about fantasy football here in January. The key thing that I'm going to tell people at home is this. Um, when it comes to the draft, because that's obviously first, so yes, you do need to you know make uh, concessions during the season to make sure your team stays afloat and continues to thrive and possibly make the playoffs. But your foundation is set in the draft. Um, in our league of, of legend of record, 
um, the winner gets to choose his pick. Routinely, year in, year out, the winner picks the number one pick. And I'll just throw this caveat out there. No one in our league of record has ever repeated as well. Um, Not saying that's going to stray me away from the number one pick. However, to stay on topic here, if I was to pick the number, if I was to have the number one pick in the draft, there are a few names that I am looking at. And I think we'll probably see this narrowed down as we get a lot closer. But as of now, the three players that I am considering with the number one pick are running back for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, who finished number one running back all throughout the season. Second person I'm looking at is Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, who was number one uh, until he went out with the injury. And the third player is a wide receiver by the name of Cooper Cup, who I'm actually extremely torn on. These three players, to me, fantasy-wise, if you had them on your team, probably gave you a boost that no other player in the league could give you week in and week out. Um, out of a few leagues that I'm in, I know somebody, uh, the, the few people that have had the the luck of drafting Jonathan Taylor in the second round because he fell that far due to preseason reports, mostly um, dominated their leagues. If not one, they were in the title game. Um, Jonathan Taylor's a beast. Jonathan Taylor is, it's not a running back by committee. That is what swayed me last year from actually not picking him at the seventh pick overall. And I think he went right after me with the eighth pick overall. Um, to the to the team that actually ended up scoring one of the most points in the league last season, um, he he's 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 going to get the touches. We uh, know Marley Mack was pretty much on the trade block the entire year. Naheem Himes is not an every down back; he's more of a receiving role. And you know the way that offense is shaped, it's more so for Jonathan Taylor to do his thing. Very similar to the way the Tennessee offense is shaped is for Derrick Henry to do his thing. Um, I'm actually torn between these two really on who I would pick number one personally right now. If I had to choose, it would be Jonathan Taylor. And then Cooper Cup has an outshot shot. And the reason why is that I believe Cooper Cup had more 30-point games than he had games under 20. I'm going to repeat that again. He had more 30-point fantasy football games that he had games under 20 20 is a lot every week am i am i right in saying that clark 20 is a lot every week and a full point ppr yeah if you're hitting 20 every single week you are very content with that exactly um this gentleman had more 30 point games i i have to reiterate this this is absolutely absurd he had more 30 point games than he had Less than 20-point games. That's telling me his average is in between 20 and 30. That is a lot of points to pass up, and that is very hard for me to do so. The one thing that is very concerning for me is he will now be on a team that is going to have Odell Beckham and Robert Woods. Not Robert Woods, then Odell Beckham due to Robert Woods' injury. That is going to be a three-receiver trio. I still believe he's going to he's going to be probably one of the top receivers at the end of the season, but there is some concern for me with picking him, knowing that the ball has to be distributed amongst those three players. 
about because they're all good. Not because they have to. It's just because all three of those guys can routinely get open. Um, Cooper Cup a little bit more than the other two, as we saw, as we as we see, as we uh, saw this past season. So, nonetheless, these are my three picks that I'm considering for number one overall. Two running backs that I think are somewhat obvious uh, based on what they've been able to do here in 2021 uh, season. Um, for the 2022 season, I think you'll get a lot of the same. And then Cooper Cup, again, is my third in line for that pick, just really depending on what the Rams are going to do in the offseason with the receivers and if Odell Beckham does return and if Robert Woods, you know, also returns to form as well. <laughs> Then they may kind of, you know, um, have me stray away from him a bit. But that's that's what I'm leaning towards at the top end of the draft this year, Clark. And I would agree with Jonathan Taylor. He is definitely a beast. I don't think he's quite head and shoulders like we have seen in years past when we're talking about like a healthier run CMC, that type of scenario. Definitely a few other names in there. I like Derrick Henry pick. Uh, we'll see if he can come back fully healthy. I know he played. I would like to see a little bit more. Hopefully he can get back to form, uh, but he would definitely be up there as well just because how dominant he is in that offense. I can't agree with Cooper Cup being as a number one pick overall. Running backs in fantasy football are just super important, especially early on to hit. I mean, you can go the nor the no running back option if you wanted to draft that way. Uh, I wouldn't unless you just, you know, if you can try and hit on some of those later round picks for running backs, uh, I would stay away. Uh, granted, we did take a look at this list, and one name that kind of stuck out that really kind of just made me cringe when I saw it was at number five, they had Devontae Adams sitting there. And again, early round receiver, not a big fan of. The biggest problem with Devontae Adams, number one, he's a free agent. We don't know what team he's going to go to. Number two, will Green Bay re-sign him long-term? Could. But they have, they're struggling. Uh, they're well over the cap at this point. So they don't really have the money to do it at this moment unless Aaron Rodgers goes on uh, and moves away, which is very possible and probably what they're kind of hoping happens, at least financially speaking. But if we don't know where he's going to play and we don't know who his quarterback's going to be, yeah, he's a super talented receiver, but he's knocking on age 30, getting very close. And unless he goes to a team that has an established quarterback that is going to utilize him very similarly to what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers and basically target him every other play, I don't see him being at early of a first round. I don't even see him in the first round at all. I mean, I would have him behind Cooper Cup because assuming Matthew Stafford continues to only have eyes for his little Cooper Cup. And then you have the likes of someone like a Justin Jefferson that could creep up uh, and take over uh, Devontae Adams' spot near the top. I like him late first round. Don't like him this early, though, just because we just there's so many unknowns at this point. But if we knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to be back, if we knew he was going to be a Green Bay Packer with him, I, again, I still wouldn't draft him that high, but I would feel much more comfortable drafting him somewhere in the first round. I would say if a third name to be towards the top would still be Dalvin Cook in my book. I, I still think the offense is going to run through Dalvin Cook. They're still going to utilize him. Obviously, the downside is his health, but obviously he's one of the players that you have to handcuff. You have to have Alexander Madison later on uh, just to protect yourself somewhere down the line just in case you have three or four games throughout the season. But again, if you're going to pick number one, I still like Jonathan Taylor sitting there. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Fletch, 
Uh, I'm going to start off with some of the sleepers that I have been keeping an eye on uh, heading into next season. Again, still don't know all the ins and outs of everything, uh, head coaching-wise, organizational-wise. Uh, obviously, health will come into a big play later on. Uh, but one sleeper for me is Amon Ross St. Brown of the Detroit Lions. I mean, when you look at his fantasy production at Full Point PPR League, he outscored eh, just a few names here. He outscored Terry McLaurin that was drafted well in front of him. Uh, he out was outscored, or he outscored uh, Mari Cooper. Uh, he outscored Adam Thielen. He outscored. Uh, uh, just moving down a little bit further, Chase Claypool that was highly thought of this season. Uh, yeah, he outscored quite a bit of people, and this was on a team that really struggled, and he really didn't get going until uh, about week 13, and then from week 13 on, he had a, at least 15 fantasy points in every single week and helped you win a fantasy championship, but he's a sleeper to me. Now, granted, what round would I draft him in? It's a good question. Maybe try to get him somewhere in the 7th or 8th, uh, but that's, that's where I would like to get him, but if the hype train keeps rolling... For Monroe St. Brown, assuming that he continues to get double-digit targets, which he got every single week from week 13 on, uh, he's going to be highly valued and may get overdrafted depending on your type of league and your scoring. But I like a Monroe St. Brown as being a sleeper moving into next year. Fletch, who do you have as a sleeper? Yeah, man. Um, I have a few on my list, to be honest with you. Um. And this is just, and just full disclosure for those at home is, uh, again, our league of record. We um, we can keep one player, must keep one player, I should say, and you can keep up to two. Um, so we do a little bit of digging during the season to kind of find these diamonds in the rough, if you will. And I, there, there's a handful. There's one guy in particular that I think we'll see a big increase and what i look for when i when i look for sleepers are two things i look for guys that are young or i look for guys that are in new places as far as guys that are young what i'm specifically looking for and this is where my sleepers coming from i'm looking for rookies first uh second or second year players that are poised to make the jump these are players that will help you the most there is actually an article, if you are familiar with the Fantasy Footballers. I love their show. Um, they run a very good YouTube show. They have podcasts. It's all the same. But I normally watch these guys on YouTube uh, during the, at least when it gets close to the season and just kind of throughout. They, they're, they're pretty accurate as well, just as accurate as you can be when it comes to this stuff. Um, the, the guy that I'm really in, in the, the, what I'm alluding to is an article that I read on there last season is the, the big jump from a first or second year receiver into that next year. And the person and I'm on, I'm on Ross St. Brown fits your description perfectly, fits this description perfectly, Clark. I love that as a sleeper pick. That is one that is on my list for sure. The other one that is also very high on my list is Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. Darnell Mooney, when he was targeted his first year in the league, this was pre-Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. This was Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. He was just missed a lot on a lot of deep passes um, where 
if those connected, he would have had a very good rookie season if he had a quarterback that could get him the ball. Um, the second year, he turned into being the best target for the Bears due to uh, Allen Robinson either not playing well or being hurt. Um, and I believe that Allen Robinson will move on and Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney will be your number one receiver in Chicago going into next season. Um, unless they draft one of these absolute studs coming out of the draft this year, which is a pretty deep wide receiver pool to pull from coming out of college right now. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I really like. I do think Justin Fields uh, will will come into the season as the starter. Um, I do think that they uh, that he has a better season. I think the Bears need to do something with that offensive line because it did Justin Fields or Andy Dalton no good. But at the same time, if they can get some time to throw the ball, I think Darnell Mooney is one of those guys that you'll see that could be drafted in those middle rounds that will um, be able to elevate your team, give you some depth at that wide receiver position, which is very important, and um, eventually be somebody that I think you can actually rely on to help you win some of your fantasy uh, fantasy football games. So that's going to be my sleeper coming into the season is Darnell Mooney. Yeah, I like that pick quite a bit too just because – Whenever you move away from the Matt Nagy system, (laughs) good things happen. So we're going to see potentially a better Justin Fields, a more potentially better offense because they know they can run the ball uh, with a good running back. They just need the quarterback play to complement as well as the play callings to complement the offense and really get things moving. Still have to fix some things on the defensive side, but for fantasy football purposes – Mooney fits that description, assuming that Allen Robinson will likely move on. Uh, So I really like that as a sleeper. Let's go ahead and move into that Allen Robinson-esque type player, which is the do-not-draft players. And these are the type (laughs) of players that either value-wise when it comes to the draft, it just doesn't make sense to draft them where they're going to be. Uh, Very similar S, just like my example with Amon Ross St. Brown. If your league is drafting him in the fourth round, let him go. Let somebody else take that away. He may still have a very good season, but the value is just too rich at the fourth round. Whereas if he happens to stay somewhere in the late fifth, sixth round, that's where you can take him and feel confident that he will produce. Again, still on a team that isn't the greatest team. Derek Goff will still have his issues here and there. They played well for uh, their head coach last year, but that's part of it. And then also part of that do not draft list is just guys that just may have washed out, maybe done. Maybe the best of their fantasy production is over and that's you just want to avoid them. So, uh, Fletch, I'll have you start this off. Name me a player that is just no go for your team. Easy. Miles Sanders. Um. I, he was on. He was do not draft last season. I think he's always do not draft. I do not. Tr- there's there's a few teams that you cannot trust their running back situations, and that is due to two reasons. One, we talked about it a little bit with Jonathan Taylor and the reports that came out prior to the 2021 season that the Colts would have been a a running back by committee or what you may see as the acronym RBBC. Um, the thing with Miles Sanders is this. Miles Sanders is this. He He's one of those guys that I feel like is probably deserves to be a starter and starter on his team. 
The problem is, is that they have a running quarterback. That's the first thing. Secondly, you know for a fact other guys are going to get touches by the likes of Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, and whoever else. They just typically run by committee. Uh, they always will unless you do get unless they somehow get a stud in there that will just completely take over. And I just don't see anybody on this roster that will just completely take over. They have a lot of good pieces and a lot of guys um, at that running back position that can be serviceable and be valuable to the actual football team itself. And I think Miles Sanders is actually valuable to the Philadelphia Eagles. But to your fantasy team, I don't think he's valuable whatsoever. You will probably see Miles Sanders go on one of the top, probably top five rounds in the draft. Um, and I'm just not touching him if he goes anywhere in the top six, really. Um, I just don't feel the need to waste a pick on a guy that I can't trust at all week in and week out. And if I had to throw a second name in there, a second name would be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I like him. I think he's decent. He's actually not as fast as what we thought he may have may be uh, coming out of LSU. I know his speed wasn't like the number one thing. It was more so his shiftiness and um, his, avail- his uh, ability as far as catching the ball. But... Uh, again, the Chiefs just throw the ball way too much for me to rely on any running back out of the Chiefs' backfield to be somebody, I, again, somebody I can rely on. And the reason why these guys also made the do not draft hit list is we are. I'm looking at guys that will probably get drafted fairly high. When I mean fairly high, I mean probably the top third of the draft, meaning rounds one through five-ish. Uh, that will probably not get you the production that you're going to expect out of a guy that you're going to draft one through five-ish. Um, those are my two do not draft for sure with Miles Sanders being number one on that list. Agreed. I really like that pick there. Uh, as for me for do not draft, it's going to be value based, like I mentioned before, and it really comes down to what's going to happen this off season. The Denver Broncos just got a brand new quarterback and Nathaniel Hackett. He was the offensive coordinator for the green Bay Packers. Uh, he will be coming in and running. I would assume a very similar style to what we saw uh, when he was in Green Bay, clearly they still have to find a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater didn't really pan out. We know what we're getting with Drew Locke. Are they going to be able to go out and find either a savvy veteran or be able to find somebody in the draft or just try to push this quarterback group yet again? And so that's for me. I'm staying away from any Denver running back at this point. And this is why if both of them are going to be there, you're going to have issues fantasy-wise deciding on who to start. Now, Melvin Gordon, to his credit, there were games that he had a few good starts. But when you look at his fantasy production and full-point PPRs, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Seven games out of the 17 games. So almost half the games he didn't score double digits. That's a problem. That is a big issue when you have a two running back system because you don't know who's going to get the football. And full point PPR, it was actually Javante Williams that outscored Melvin Gordon by only seven points. That's how much of a 50-50 timeshare it was. They both got 203 carries this entire season. Melvin Gordon had 15 more rushing yards than Javante Williams, had four more rushing touchdowns and only one less receiving touchdown. It was a true 50-50 split. So again, it's nice to have maybe one of them, but 
you're not going to pay full value for them. You have to get them at a discount. And at best, they're going to be a flex player for you in specific matchups. You're never going to feel really confident and put them as your running back two and think that they're going to produce for you. There's going to be a few games they will. Absolutely. What I would like to see this offseason is Melvin Gordon go. Get traded away. Get sent somewhere else. Maybe they're trading for an Aaron Rodgers to come in and be the quarterback. There's a lot of talk about that potentially happening. And if that's the case, if Melvin Gordon goes, which, of course, I don't think they would trade for Melvin Gordon, but if he gets traded away to any other team and it's just a one-man show, then yes, you definitely draft whoever is left. But being a true 50-50 timeshare, you're going to get disappointed throughout the year. You're going to get frustrated because one week you play them and they get you eight points, so then you feel bad and you bench them and then get 20. It, it's, it's a very frustrating year. Trust me, I had Javante Williams quite a bit this year. Um, I'm hoping that he is the one, like you mentioned, we do have a keeper that we can have into the following season. He would be in consideration for that. But if again, if it's a 50-50, he's not going to be a keeper for me. I'll have somebody else draft him or get him at a steep discount moving forward. Uh, So those are just a couple of our do not drafts. There's plenty of others as well. Let's go ahead and jump into some potential rookies, incoming rookies that may have an impact depending on where they get drafted, obviously, and depending on uh, their situation. A couple of receivers that are just jumping off the screen for me, Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State. Uh, They rave about his ability to separate uh, one of the best in the class. Uh, He is a true speed threat. Uh, can get open when need be. Uh, another receiver would be Jamison Williams, again, uh, coming out of Alabama. He did tear his ACL, so we'll see what happens there. But he has really blossomed from kind of an afterthought at Ohio State before he transferred to Alabama and then became a Heisman contender. Uh, or not a really Heisman contender, but a, a top receiver for the year in college football. I like both of them, again, depending on where they land. Uh, one other name to keep in mind on, I'm just trying to look. I don't think there's – the problem with this year's class is not really a ton of quarterbacks that you really feel great about. I know there's talks about Sam Howe or Desmond Ritter. I just don't see it coming into this year. Uh, if they do get drafted, if they have some kind of growth spurt and be able to actually thrive in whatever system they land in, it would make sense. But Fletch, uh, let the people know a couple of names that you're looking at for this year's draft class. Yeah, man, good good choices on on those two. Uh, what is that? Uh, Garrett Garrett Wilson and uh, Jamison Williams. Buyer beware with Jamison Williams. Just to be honest with you, there with the ACL injury, I don't know how i know that injury is typically a uh it varies a little bit between player to player but we'll say eight to 12 months and eight months puts us at the very beginning of the season which you know could kind of stifle the beginning of the year for him as far as production goes but again that's somebody that um we and and i'll I'll go, go back a little bit as well he's somebody very similar to the broncos running back uh the running backs that they have Gordon and Williams where you don't want to pick them early. I don't think you want to pick them too early. I do like Gordon and Williams on a fantasy football team, but I think they need to be your fourth running back. And I'll say the same about Jamison Williams. He needs to be your fourth or fifth receiver 
because you can't rely on him, but having them will be nice just to give you some depth at the position with guys that are serviceable um, that can actually go out and possibly get you points depending on matchup and also in uh, any any time that you know say a starter is out you know that 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 guy is gonna that second guy or say you know uh, in that issue with Gordon and Williams if one of them is out you know one of them is going to the other one's going to produce same thing with Jamison Williams if he goes to a team and you know, we're, we're going to be waiting for him to kind of come along, if you will. And that means there's probably going to be a number one that that team already has. Just, again, buyer beware uh, with him coming into this season. As far as sleepers go, and this draft is tough. I'll, I'll kind of allude to the draft a little bit while we're on this topic. It, it, it's very defensive heavy. Um, Just looking at a few mock drafts, and I've been paying attention all year long, the big the big breadwinners are going to be on defense or your offensive linemen. There's a lot of first round offensive line talent. There's a lot of first round defensive talent. There's a lot of guys that possibly could dra- be drafted middle to late rounds, like my favorite college defender in the Kobe Dean, who's probably going to go mid to late first round. Um, just to give you an example, as far as fantasy goes, we're obviously looking at more so offensive players um, or. I'm also, you know, just kind of, again, being the sports the sports buffs that we are, we're also looking at teams that need offensive line help that will that will go seek offensive line help. Therefore, it will help your quarterback and running back. So keep those things in mind as we look into the draft as well. But for our strictly production, we're going to stick with the offense here. And I agree with you on the two that you mentioned, with Jamison Williams more so being a second-half threat to really explode. The, the other guys that I'm looking at is the other Ohio State receiver, which is Chris Olave. Um, depending on his his where he lands, could it be a could be a potential threat for you. Veteran receiver, he's actually a true senior from Ohio State, which means he'll come into the league this season um, at I believe like age 23, um, which is which is honestly more pro ready than somebody that might be a little bit younger than him, say at age 21. You know, say a redshirt sophomore or junior. Uh, coming into the league. Uh, so Chris Olave being one of those guys that I'm really looking forward to. The other one is uh, actually Penn State's wide receiver, John Johnson. Um, I also like Purdue's wide receiver, David Bell. Um, there, There's a few guys, man, at the receiver position mainly that really stand out for me that I think will have big years next year, um, depending on their landing situations, very similar to what a Jalen Waddle was able to do for you at times. A Devontae Smith was able to do for you at times. Both of those guys showed some um, brilliance really also throughout the season and, and, and helped out a lot of fantasy teams being a flex level receiver at some point. At some For some teams, you had to rely on him and being a number two, and it actually worked out. So those are, those are the names that I'm really looking at is those receivers that can be put in some really good position in, in addition to the ones that you named. I would essentially really just add to your list and, and continue with that trend of receivers with Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, and David Bell. Yeah, I agree. There is a very wide receiver heavy group. There's not a ton of running backs there. I know Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. There's a couple of names, but it's not really that deep when it comes to running backs. They may surprise us, but there's nothing really sticking out there that really, like, yeah, if he gets in the right situation, 
definitely right. going to draft him. So I would There's imagine no Harris this year. Exactly. There's going to be a lot of rookie drafts that are going to be very uh, receiver heavy, and then maybe in the second or third round you start taking running back, something along those lines, just as more of a lottery draft at that point, just to see what happens. Um, but let's go ahead and finish this topic off. Uh, we are going to each give us uh, a name that we see as a late round stash or a late round player that maybe you want to keep secret, but for the purposes of the show, and obviously we have so much of an off season to go through, uh, we're going to talk about one player a piece that we just late round. I want to keep an eye on, and for me, it's Rashard Penny. I think the running back coming out of Seattle for the last five weeks, he had at least had double-digit carries, had at least 135 yards rushing in every single one of those games, had at least one touch, one rushing touchdown every single one of those games, uh, and for fantasy point wise, at least 19 and a half fantasy points or more, really helped your teams win a championship. We don't know what's going to happen with Chris Carson. He got injured. It was a neck injury. It's one of those situations where what we ha- we've we seen it before with Peyton Manning when he had a neck injury. It really took him down in a steep decline. Uh, Chris Carson is a running back. Obviously, he gets pounded on quite a bit. Uh, he may be out of Seattle and Rashard Penny after kind of starting his career on the injury mend and even the season as well. Coming, finishing the season strong could be the lead back sitting there and could be one of those later round guys that, man, everyone kind of forgets about that he had these great weeks the very last part of the season. And all of a sudden you're staring in the eighth round and you're seeing like a starting running back like you typically would if you're looking at uh, a Damian Harris in the eighth round. Any type of uh, Patriots running backs are typically there just because you don't know who's going to be the starter and who's going to get the looks. But Richard Benny could be one of those names later in your draft that is just sitting there. And, I mean, are you going to draft him? Or are you going to draft a guy like Devin Booker? No, you're going to draft Richard Penny. You're going to take the chance that he is going to be the starter. Clearly, we still have to get some information. But I like him as a late-round must-have. Fletch, who do you got? Yes, sir. Um, good choice. Very good choice, actually. I, I really like that. I think he will end up the starter this, this upcoming season. Um, man, so just, just as a caveat again, and I was like setting the, setting a president because a lot of people at home, um, you know, a lot of people that play fantasy football, um, the one thing that's, that's always hard to understand is like, what exactly do we qualify as a late round pick? What I qualify as a late round pick or, or again, this is more of a sleeper pick again, uh, or a draft and stash kind of guy. Uh, or somebody that you think that you're going to draft fairly later than, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say than expected, but somebody that may fall to you just due to the fact of, you know, maybe of how he's been perceived, you know, throughout his career in the league. And one thing that I use as my rule of thumb is when it comes to running back, I look at guys outside of the top 30, which essentially means you're probably not one of the top 32 starters in the league. Also look at when it comes to receivers, probably to the outside guys outside the top 45, top 50. Again, not being your one or two option on a good team. Uh, my guy that I'm actually going to choose is actually a starter um, I, who was not highly drafted, who had a lot of questions coming into the season, who had actually a lot of questions during the season, also had a lot of injuries. Um, this player showed up quite a bit during the playoffs, so, however, and their team just suffered a loss. 
so they're no longer in the in 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 you know the in the playoffs. But one thing that I really loved during the playoffs was watching um, Devin Singletary from the Buffalo Bills play good football and show a little bit of a quick step, a bit of a spark for the team. Um, I actually like him coming into the season. I don't believe I didn't I didn't believe I would say that you know last year year before. Um, Josh Allen essentially is going to be the leading rusher on that team. At least you would think so. But one thing that I noticed is that the Bills, uh, especially on the first couple of drives, featured Devil, Devin Singletary quite a bit in the playoffs here throughout the first couple of rounds. The other thing that I noticed as well is that if the Bills had been up and had had been up fairly big here, you know, say in other in games, they would actually be able to rely a little bit more on the running game. And the Bills are a good football team. Also, last week I alluded to how Dawson Knox has also helped that team elevate, along with the fact that you have four serviceable receivers, with one of them being an absolute stud and probably a first or second round pick in this year's draft coming up again with Stephon Diggs. But you also have Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and uh, the emergence of Gabriel Davis is there as well. Um, I, I do believe this is still a passing team, but I really like the fact of what uh, I really like what I saw in the playoffs from uh, from Singletary. I think he will be the starter coming into the season again. Zach Moss was who he was battling with. I don't think that's a threat any longer. The only way Devin Singletary loses his job, in my opinion, is if somebody else comes in and takes that job from him. And I don't mean a rookie. I mean a vet. Um, and I just don't see them going after a vet because of how good their team is. You can honestly make the argument after watching this past weekend's game on Sunday night uh, that the Bills are just as good as the Chiefs, obviously, because whoever had the ball last won that game. Um, and had there been, you know, say a little bit more, I'd say we have say we have somewhat of a similar college style overtime rules. Who's to say that game doesn't turn out differently if the Bills get a chance to touch the ball? So, you know, with these with that being said, I really like him coming into the season as more of a late draft and stash kind of guy. Again, this is one of those guys that I would draft, you know, as like my fourth or fifth running back on my team because I need guys that I can actually rely on 100 percent or as many percent as you can with a running back because that's tough to come by nowadays. Um, and I, I just I really like what he was able to do in the playoffs. And I think you'll kind of you'll kind of see a little bit more of that going into next season because the Bills were criticized and rightfully so due to, you know, not having much running, much of a running game uh, to really help support their offense and support Josh Allen. So he's my guy right now that I would choose for this, you know, for this specific uh, circumstance of a draft and stash or a late round threat of a guy that's not on your radar as a top, say, 30 running back, but somebody that I think you can, uh, you know, kind of bet your chips on that I think is going to perform a little bit higher than his uh, his ADP, his average draft position. Agreed. I do, I do like that pick there, especially if they continue to utilize him as the primary ball carrier there in Buffalo and kind of allow Zach Moss to be just kind of a fill-in here and there. Uh, as long as they continue to do that, he'll definitely be playing above his ADP and that value for drafts. Uh, Fletch, I think we've covered just about as much as we can. I know we didn't talk much about quarterbacks, but we pretty much know who the quarterbacks are. Um, obviously, we've seen, we might see a few more actually retire, depending on what happens. Ben Roethlisberger is finally gone. 
Uh, so you don't have to worry about drafting him or actually playing him if need be. Uh, but a lot of those young quarterbacks are still there. They're pretty easy to deal with. It's always the running backs and the later round receivers. Those are the ones that may or make or break your fantasy season. So uh, we definitely stuck with those as well. Uh, if you're concerned about tight ends, there's only about four of them. So if you don't have one of the top four, uh, you're streaming. That's not really an issue there either. Uh, Fletch, anything else before we uh, shut up shop today? A few things. Um, fantasy football-wise, obviously, is what we're talking about. There's a couple things I just want to point out and some things that I'm actually looking to for next season. There is another outside threat at the number one position that I failed to mention that I just want to kind of throw out there for the people. We talked about I talked about it very briefly, and that's Najee Harris. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger retiring. That alone is the reason why Najee Harris is a threat to be number one. Um, I'm not 100% sure where he finished last year. I know for a fact he was top 10 in running backs. I believe he was probably top five. If I, if I had to bet my money on it without actually looking this up, um, I think that he has an outside shot to be maybe not very, you know, number one overall, but definitely he could finish top three, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does with the amount of work that he very well may get if you have to start a Mason Rudolph or a Dwayne Haskins at your quarterback position if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, let's let's not remit, let's not forget that's that's still the Pittsburgh Steelers. I understand with Roethlisberger they turn more into a passing team than they ever have before, uh, but at the same time they did have the likes of Le'Veon Bell who was a number one running back for years there. They also had Jerome Bettis back in the day who was obviously a Hall of Famer. Um, they 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 have good running backs. They know how to run the ball. Uh, so just that's one player I want people to keep an eye out on for sure going into next season. A few other notables that I that I would love to uh, kind of throw out there. You've alluded to this as well with the tight end position. I, I, I stick with the big four, man. And that is well, really the big three. It would have been four had it not been for injury. Really, you know, Kittle was injured, too. But Kittle and Waller. I think we'll have a very good season if they can stay healthy throughout the season. I think Kelsey and, and Andrews are two for sure. If you have one of those two on your team, you have a lock at your tight end position that you will not have to worry about from week to week with the exception of the bye week. Um, that's just something that I want to throw out there because that seems to be an Achilles heel for a lot of people. And then also you mentioned the quarterback position. Do not look for any rookie quarterbacks to draft this season. None of the rookie quarterbacks were really worth starting this season. They were more so draft and stash if you have a keeper or a dynasty league of some guys that you might want to keep for a couple years uh, to see flourish, and that being, you know, your Zach Wilsons, your Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, um, Mac Jones, uh, Justin Fields, uh, you know, those the, the big five from last year's draft that I would say, you know, they may take a step coming into the season, but there's no one in this draft that I see coming into the league and having even a chance to be a starter unless it's an absolute need um, to the point where you have no choice. Um, and I don't know if there's any team out there that sit, that literally has a had, has no choice but to start a rookie quarterback. I don't think there's a team out there that, that will have to do that. Um, so just that's one thing I just want to mention as well. Lastly, that I want to mention is this um, running backs running backs have, have been at a shortage in fantasy football for I, I would say the better part of the last five years 
Uh, before that, you, you kind of had a bit of a pool where you knew you could kind of mix and match a few guys and it was going to work out. Um, you had some some guys that, you know, you, you could you could definitely put as your flex position in past years. But really, if you didn't have a top, honestly, if you didn't have a top 15 running back on your team, you probably struggled quite a bit this year. A few names that I want to mention to stay away from, or at least, again, not so much a don't draft, but more of a buyer beware. And that's Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott. The running backs just don't have a long shelf life, man. And due to their situations with young, upcoming, quality running backs behind them, I just, I'm not sold on picking these guys too early. A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard are just too good not to play. They both show that they can play some really good football. You can put them in in key situations. They can share the field together at times, especially in Dallas. I saw that quite a bit. Um, I, and, and, I've, and I had both of these running backs this year. Um, and I'll be honest, I think Ezekiel Elliott may have cost me a, in a couple a couple fantasy leagues. I actually had him in three leagues. I had Aaron Jones in two leagues. I won one league with Aaron Jones, but, you know, again, it's part of the just the rest of the team being hot at the right time more so than him producing. Um, he actually laid an egg when I needed him to go off and had me sweating bullets on on uh, championship night. So, um, that there's a uh, there there those are the things that I want people to look out for, but also look out for the young running backs that could possibly be up and coming as well that can make some noise. So just kind of rule of thumb, and we mentioned it last year in last year's show, Clark, when we kind of dove a little bit into fantasy football, is no 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 people's positions on their teams and understand the position that those players are in. But then also, too, as the year progresses, understand trends and understand how things work um, like for that team. And the other team that I'll mention is the Washington football team, who is actually set to have a name here soon, Clark, in the next couple next week or so. I think it's Super Bowl week. They're going to announce their team, their new team name. I don't know if they actually will change or not, because football team is still technically on the list of new team names. But we saw it a little bit with people saying Antonio Gibson may be you utilize in the same light as uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey on with the, with the Washington football team. But we definitely saw JD McKissick have a great fantasy season uh, for especially mainly because of where he was drafted. But even if he wasn't drafted that late, he still had a pretty solid season due to his, his uh, pass catching prowess. So again, understand the situation that these players are in, understand things will change throughout the season understand the team that you drafted may not be the team that you end up with but also to understand too don't make don't make hasty trades there was a few times this year where i could have blew my team up and i held pat even when we were going through a losing streak and i ended up with most of the same team that i drafted with that took me to the final so again it's speaking from experience i think clark you can kind of allude to this as well because me and you actually got on a hell of a winning streak towards the end of the season that really propelled us into the playoffs and allowed us to win our first round in the playoff and make it to those to the final four. So um, th those are the things that I just want to mention to the people before we kind of close up shop today. Um, Clark, um, before we close up, any anything notable about the fantasy about fantasy football going into next year that you want to mention or really just about football in general? 
really the biggest thing now that we're in the uh, not truly off season, but we pretty much are. Obviously, we still have the camp championship games and the Super Bowl. Uh, just keep an eye on where coaches go, where players go, and how that's going to impact both offenses and how they're going to operate. Those are huge factors. Obviously, seeing the Broncos getting Nathaniel Hackett, they're still going to be a run-based team, clearly because they still don't have a quarterback. But if Aaron Rodgers does happen to go there, uh, you're going to see all those receivers get bumped up into the draft because now you have Aaron Rodgers throwing them the football comparative to what they had before. So again, just keep an eye on the moving parts throughout the offseason and how that impacts things. Like we mentioned earlier, if Melvin Gordon goes elsewhere, Javante Williams jumps into that second round territory when it comes to 12-team PPR leagues. He is going to be that good if he's heavily utilized in that system. Uh, but we also are going to be looking at where does Kellen Moore go? Obviously, the Cowboys' offense was stuttering from time to time this year. Uh, does Kellen Moore move on? Does he stay there? Uh, there was actually a source I just read here tonight that uh, Mike McCarthy, based on a source, was told that he is going to stay in Dallas, which is a little surprising. I think there was a lot of talk in the offseason about him moving on. But we'll have to keep an eye on what happens with Kellen Moore. Who's going to be the... Uh, Offensive play caller down in Carolina. What happens with Run CMC? Are they going to use him less? Is he going to get healthy? What happens with Derrick Henry? There's a lot of moving pieces. Keep an eye out. See what happens. There's always, unfortunately, injuries that happen as well. But as long as you continue to do your research throughout the offseason, you don't have to do it as, as what we would do. But the big headlines, keep in mind what happens and what that could change for the offenses to help you make a little bit better decisions when it comes to fantasy-wise uh, and help you win some leagues, much like Fletch won this year and I won last year. Uh, hopefully, we can get that turned around in next year's fantasy football draft. Um, Fletch, we made it through yet another episode. Obviously, we'll be looking at another topic this coming Thursday as well. Uh, glad that we finally pushed through for fantasy football. I know it's really early, but it's always nice to just keep that in your thought process. And it may be a topic that we uh, revisit a little bit closer to time once we have a little bit more information out there. Uh, but as for now, enjoy the championship games. Hopefully my Niners win. Hopefully we have two good teams heading into the Super Bowl. Uh, finish this season off right. Uh, for Fletch, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. the Harry Hobo, and we're out. Peace.